Good morning, church. Um, today's topic is a new way of church or a new way of doing church. Now, very interestingly, on the 3rd of February, 2020, Barna Report or Barna Research published a report of the top 22 concerns on pastors' minds. Okay, 3rd February, 2020. So they had a survey and they published their conclusions on the 3rd of February. Number one, the top of the list of the concerns on pastors' minds was handling watered-down gospel. Okay, watered-down gospel. Okay, gospel that is without power. Gospel that, you know, says that you still have to earn through good works. A watered-down gospel. That was the number one concern of pastors in this research and report. Number 21. This is the second last, huh? the, the second last on the list of pastors' concerns that they weren't very concerned about was disruptions to traditional model of church, including home church and online church. And number 22, last on the list, Something that was of least concern to pastors in this research, number 22, was advances in digital technology or social media. Five weeks later, the entire world turned upside down, and I'm very sure number 21 and 22 jumped into the top five. So, that's where we are today. When we talk about the new way of church, uh, let me ask, first start off the message today with one particular question. And that question is very simple. Have we ever stopped to consider that this entire pandemic, this entire 18, 19 months that we have been in, has always been a part of God's plan? And I think it's important to recognize that because God's plan always comes through and it always prevails, it always is on course, it never wavers, it never changes. It is important that we stop and consider that this entire 19 months was definitely God's plan. Let's look at some examples in the church or the history of the church where there was disruptions, where there was lockdowns even. Noah in the ark, Daniel in the den, in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the furnace, Jonah in the fish, Paul in a jail. These were just some examples of many of people being disrupted in their ministry or disrupted in God's work. But it was part of God's plan. Even though some of these people, in fact all these people that I mentioned were in some form of a lockdown. It was all part of God's plan. And because God's plan always prevails, it doesn't matter. It is not dependent on one specific person or we can be so prideful that it's just about us and if without us God can't move. Mordecai said to Esther in Esther 4:14. He told Esther, "If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the for the Jews will arise from another place. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place." Basically what Mordecai is saying is, it doesn't matter if you try to like abdicate whatever you try to do, 
God is still going to move whether you like it or not. He's just going to use somebody else. So if circumstances and what is around us may be evolving, but what God wants to do is what will happen, how can we, today's message is all about how can we experience His glory by being a part of His plan and not just putting a blinders to our own ambitions, our own careers and our own pathways. So today's message is very simple. I'm going to break down the message into three parts. And the three parts is going to be acronymed MCO, so that you remember, okay? The first one is this, the misconception. The misconception. Let's look back at, in understanding what the church is, right? The book of Acts is where the church is birthed, okay? It was an expansion of what Jesus came to do, okay? Many times, if you've heard my dad speak on on Acts, on the book of Acts, you always say that the book of Acts um, ends abruptly. That's because the book of Acts continues even today. The way the church processed things or, or the way the church functioned in the book of Acts was completely revolutionary and that was because it was a continuation of what Jesus did. They were different. People looked at them different. You know, John 16, 7, Jesus himself said, it is better, for I, better that I go because I will send the Spirit who will live in you. Right? And so, that was the birth of the church, continuing into the book of Acts. Jesus himself went against the grain of what religion looked like at the time. People, the people he rebuked and debated with was not non-believers or people who just didn't believe, or people who were lost. That's not the people he debated or rebuked the most in the Bible. The people he rebuked the most when he had his ministry here on earth, was those who were religious or righteous in their own eyes because they were consumed only with an outward or superficial form of religion. Jesus fulfilled, not abolished, Jesus fulfilled everything that religion could not accomplish. And so because he fulfilled everything that religion could not accomplish, Religion was flipped upside down. The way Jesus thought about revenge, the way Jesus thought about anger and murder and lust and pride and even the law and faith and life was so different. So I use the word revolutionary than what the religious teachers were teaching at that time. And mind you, these religious teachers were teaching something that was, was, was based on the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, or at least the Old Testament. But Jesus fulfilled everything religion could not accomplish. Everything our good works and our outward expression of religion cannot accomplish. Jesus fulfilled that on the cross. That's why we can give praise to Him this morning and we can sing praise to the God of Calvary and we can, we can sing to the One. Acts 2, we see the Pentecost. That fulfillment that Jesus says the Comforter will come or the Holy Spirit will come. So the church of the New Testament was a result and is a manifestation and a continuation of that, Jesus' work. Okay? So they continued that revolutionary work of Jesus, flipping religion on its head. If you just read Paul's books, the way Paul writes about love in 1 Corinthians 13, it's something even many non-believers sometimes refer to. 
The way Paul talks about faith and life and worship as just a lifestyle rather than something that you go to church about. Community in the Church of Acts. The way we treat workers, you see that in the book of Philemon. Very different from the way people, people treated uh, workers. Okay? So because their faith was not simply based on a book or a house of worship or idols, their faith was grounded on a powerful and intimate relationship with Jesus in the context of a community. Let me repeat that. Their faith was grounded on a powerful and intimate relationship with Jesus in the context of a community. Okay? Yes, we can have, each personally have an intimate relationship with Jesus, but it is meant to be lived out in the context of a church. So, because of this intimate relationship with Jesus, there was no superficial expression of worship. Yes, there was an expression of worship, an exuberant expression of worship, but it didn't have its ulterior motives of wanting to earn God's, God's favor or God's blessing. It was really, it was really out, of, out of their intimate relationship with Jesus. So, do we see that same spirit in church today? That is the question. Do we see that same spirit in church today? Some of us have reduced our faith into thinking that our faith can only be active within the confines of a building or within the confines of a program. Or it can, our faith can only be active when it is so-called normal. And today we are in 19, 18 months into a lockdown or a version of a lock, lockdown. So I want to make this very clear. A church is not a place we go to or a program we watch. The church is the living, breathing, walking, talking body of Christ. I hope that in High Point Life, we try to stop saying the words, let's go to church or let's watch church. Because church is not meant to be watched. Church is meant to be something to be a part of. It is not a place we go to. If you ask many pastors today, do you have, is, is your church online? They say yes and they, and they direct you to their website where it has watch online. Which is okay, but that's all, not all the church is meant to be. The church is not meant to be a service or a program. The church is not meant to be a place. Have we be just been waiting for the sanctuary to be open before we start serving? Have we been waiting for the church doors to be open before we start evangelizing and before we start telling people the good news? So let me ask these questions. Interesting rhetorical or hypothetical questions that we might need to think about. How will High Point Life look like or how will the church look like if we had no Sunday service? The second question is, how will the church look like if we had no building to go to? No program, no building. And number three, how will the church look like if God allows persecution on the church of Malaysia tomorrow?
So that's the misconception. The misconception is sometimes we think church is a place or church is a program. And we just watch a program and we just go to a building. But we are not being the church. The church is the living, breathing, walking, talking body of Christ. Number two, the culture. Let's look at the culture. So misconception is something about the past. You know, something that is in our mindset that we need to unlearn. The culture is what is now, what is happening around us. So 18, 19 months into a pandemic, let's look at some shifts. Number one, the auditorium has shifted. Yes, we have a nice building, a building that we have renovated, made our, made our own. And yes, there are many, many verses in the Bible that praises God in the sanctuary, in a building, in a place, in a specific place. A place isn't a bad thing. But that shouldn't be our motivation for our faith. So today, 18, 19 months into a pandemic, the auditorium has shifted. We see almost an empty room today, just the tech team, some worship team. But it shouldn't matter if we have a building or not. Because a local church is important, but it is not meant to stay local. Acts 1.8, we are called to be witnesses in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, it is going outward. It is not meant to stay local. Do you realize that there are more people without a church than within a church that we are meant to reach? I work for Scripture Union. One of, the, one of the key phrases we say to student leaders in Scripture Union is that the Christian fellowships in schools is the only club in schools that should benefit the non-members than it should benefit the members. It's the only club in school. If, you're, if you join Scouts, if you join PBSM, if you join any other club, maybe with the exception of Boys and Girls Brigade that I can think of, It is meant to benefit the non-members more than it benefits the members because there's an, there's an eternal, everlasting life up for grabs. So number one, the auditorium has shifted. Number two, the audience has shifted. Today, the audience is global. We have people so easily accessing our service from India, from so many parts of the world, even from Kuching, you know, now our KK Church so easily be, being able to have the same service as we do in Klang. The audience has shifted. It's global. So we have to learn the language of this new audience. We have to embrace the experience. And we have to consider this culture of how this audience is shifting or, or has shifted. Paul himself noticed a shift in different audiences that he was with in Acts 18. He used different methods to reach different audiences. And that's what we have to do today as the audience is shifting. So the auditorium has shifted. The audience has shifted. The one thing in this culture that has not shifted is our assignment. The assignment has not shifted. I want to share a story. In early 2000s, two men offered to sell their company to Blockbuster. Blockbuster is a company that um, that rents uh, videotapes, okay, VHS tapes. Sorry to all the young worship team that has no idea what VHS is, okay. 
But two men offered to sell their company to Blockbuster for $50 million. Blockbuster was worth, at that time, in 2000, $6 billion. So $50 million would have been sub-sub-sway for them, very easy for them. Blockbuster turned them down. These two men were Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph, who were the owners of Netflix. Eventually, Netflix triumphed over Blockbuster. Blockbuster is now closed down. You don't find any Blockbusters now in the US. And Netflix has popularized streaming and forced the entire entertainment industry to adapt to streaming. Today, Netflix is worth about $40 billion. The question is this. Blockbuster and Netflix were both doing the same thing at one point of a time. Netflix was much smaller than Blockbuster. Today, Blockbuster is closed down. But have people stopped watching movies? Same thing with Toys R Us that are closing down everywhere. Borders, which many have closed down. We have seen MPH in Malaysia close down many places. Do people still need toys? Do people still need books? Does that mean that people's needs have changed? The answer is no. People's needs have not changed, but how those needs are being met are changing. How those needs are being met are changing. So we have to be focused on our assignment and change our, our approach. What has God called us to do? Very easy. Look at Matthew 28. We have it in our vision statement at High Point Life. We need to reach a lost world and be disciple makers. We need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We need to teach disciples. The disciples whom we make, we need to teach them to obey. Sometimes we only think about the disciple-making part, but we forget about the baptizing and the teaching them to obey part. Right? But these are the three main things we need to do. We need to reach a lost world to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. Earlier I asked if we considered whether the pandemic was God's plan or not. If we say yes, it is part of God's plan, then why are we, why? Why are we praying to get out of this situation? Why are we praying for the pandemic to stop? Why are we praying for the SOPs to be loosened? Why are we praying to be able to come back to church? Or a church building, I should say, not come back to church. We are already back at church. Why? Why are we praying for that? Do you know that there are people who are coming to Jesus more than ever before? Ask our own youth and cell groups. We have church members at High Point Life that has actually never been to the building. We have welcomed them into fellowship. They have never been to this building. So why are we praying for the pandemic to stop? Some of us might thinking we want the pandemic to stop for our own mental health. Some of us might think we want the pandemic to stop because we want to go back to school, we want to uh, not babysit our kids anymore, we want to you know, go back to campus or go back to work. Some of us might have lost jobs. And that's all great to pray for the pandemic to stop. But if we had a higher calling and a higher purpose where people everywhere left and right are coming to Jesus and looking for answers and seeking the truth, why? And let me share with you, this should be our motivation to pray for this pandemic to stop. This number on screen, look at this number right now. This number on screen, 26,456. 26,456. That's the number 
of COVID deaths in Malaysia to date. That's almost how many people are dying without Jesus, and that should move us. That is excluding people who have been, who have committed suicide because of this pandemic. That is excluding children who have been orphaned during this pandemic. Just yesterday, I was talking to my fiance. She's a teacher in a school, in a secondary school, and she was saying in, the, in their primary school, there have been so many kids who have been orphaned in the last 18 months. International school. So these are not people who are poor or really needy. These are, these are children who might come from well-to-do families and they have suddenly been orphaned in the last 18 months. The projected number of deaths and people who were directly affected by deaths in Malaysia during these 18 to 19 months is projected to be about 38 to 40,000. And just for context, Chelsea Football Club's stadium, Stamford Bridge, who are, they are European champions, okay? Stamford Bridge, their stadium fits 40,000 people. So every time you watch a Chelsea match, it should shake you to know that the entire stadium full of people died within the last 18 months without Jesus. Almost 5 million deaths worldwide from COVID. That should shake us. So that's the culture we live in today. Let's look at the opportunity. We've done M, we've done C, now let's look at O, the opportunity. I'm going to go back to the book of Acts and I'm just going to look back, even as we look at the Reformation, looking at Acts as our reference point. I want to look at three things in this opportunity that the books of Acts or the church in Acts do so well. Or they, even they were experimenting and learning the ropes, but yet they did these things so well and I think it is a message for the church today. Number one, the MCO or the lockdown or this pandemic should teach us to build perseverance. First one, build perseverance. Now, when I talk about perseverance, it's not just sitting in your home and just tahaning until the church opens, the church doors open, till we can meet people, till we can go to cell groups into homes. That's not perseverance. That's not endurance. A biblical version of perseverance is not passive. It is an active action. We see that Acts 5, Acts 8, Acts 12, the church was persecuted. Did the church continue? Of course it did. How to persevere? Keep the community close to you. Many people say that, you know, maybe the church is not, it's not a season for me to serve in church. It's not a season for me to be in a community. Let me tell you, there are two main reasons. I've, I've been around many youth, you know, in my ministry with church and, and also, in, and also in, in, with, with Scripture Union. The two biggest reasons people don't want to get close to a church who are Christians, they know what is right, but yet they don't want to serve and don't want to be in church, is because they either have a lack of commitment or a pride to be accountable. So I pray that you find your community, whether it's your cell group, whether it is a, a service team, whether you are part of the hospitality, hospitality team or the worship team, or whether you are a youth, 
find a community to keep you accountable and keep you committed so that you persevere during this time. And I want to finally say this about perseverance. A disciplined life breeds a motivated life. I think motivation is a buzzword that has been going around during this pandemic, right? Oh, I feel demotivated, I feel demotivated. Most times, demotivation can be traced back to undisciplined or indisciplined. I don't know what's the correct English word. English teachers can correct me, right? But a disciplined life breeds a motivated life. If you are disciplined in your life, in your lifestyle, you will have a motivated life. And when I say disciplined life, it's not just in your tasks and your chores. It's not in just paying the bills or if you are a youth, you know, um, getting, getting things done efficiently, getting your assignments done efficiently, but even in your spiritual life, making sure that you do your devotions, go to God, have that, have that time with God every day. A disciplined life breeds a motivated life. Number two, in opportunity. The pandemic is an opportunity for us to actually be authentic. The Church of Acts was an authentic church. Acts 2, 42 to 47. We see how community plays out in the Church of Acts. That Christians took back what authenticity and freedom truly means. What freedom and authenticity truly means. Today, the world is going through the biggest communication shift in the last 500 years. I will post this picture into the chat. So if you see this picture in the chat, I want some audience engagement. Let me know what you think this picture is. Can, can somebody tell me what this picture is? Yes, okay, cool. It's the printing press. Yes, okay, many of you got it right already. Okay, cool. It is the printing press. The printing press was invented in 1450. Since writing letters, okay, all other forms of mass communication has been exclusively for a select few. Think about TV, think about radio, think about newspaper, publishing books. How many of you have been on TV? How many of you have been on radio? How many of you have been in a newspaper or written an article in a newspaper? How many of you, how many of you have published books? The Bible was the first major publication printed on the Gutenberg printing press. So Christians have Christians or the church has historically been at the forefront of the evolution of communication. But yet, every form of mass communication since then has been quite exclusive to a select few. Today, from printing, we have gone digital. And almost everybody in this room, if not everybody, has some sort of a digital or social media account. Could be an email, could be a WhatsApp account, it could be a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat account. Just think about how the world would have experienced COVID without digital media. How would we get our news, the facts, the numbers? How would we scan a QR code with the MySajatra app? How would we get opinions from those aunties who send us all those fake news? <laughs> now, social media is a huge mission field. Most of you know I'm passionate about this. 
About 26 million people in Malaysia use social media. 26 million. In fact, the average time spent on social media by a Malaysian is 2 hours 45 minutes. This was pre-pandemic. So I'm sure the numbers would have been more during the pandemic. Recently at our SOM, somebody commented that in today's culture, we have less interaction. But let me flip that again. Actually, in today's culture, we have more interaction. What we lack is authenticity. We can interact with each other anytime, any place, with a lot of people. There are many people on my friends list that I haven't talked to in three, four years, face to face. But once in a while, they will like, they will comment. Have we kept an authentic, non-superficial relationship? I don't think so. Interaction God, authenticity is what is missing. And lack of authenticity always creates a sense of loneliness. So we, the church, need to be that revolutionary beacon, that revolutionary light in this world to show what real authenticity is in a community. That's what the Church of Acts did. And finally, in our opportunity, is what the Church of Acts did so well, and that was to bear fruit. To bear fruit. Okay, so those were the three Bs I mentioned. To build perseverance, to be authentic, and finally to bear fruit. The church is never meant to bear fruit again within the confines of a place or a program when we see that things are normal. We need to be very careful that we don't hype up the sanctuary so much so that it overtakes who we are and our identity in Christ. As I said, the sanctuary is a really good place, a really nice place. But we need to understand what the sanctuary is for. I dare say our social media is just like our sanctuary. It is used as a tool to reach people. So your social media is your mission field to bear fruit. The first one I talk about, being authentic. And that could be someone just witnessing your authenticity. Bearing fruit, you have to go and reach someone on social media. Today, we have the opportunity to reach more people with a click of a button than Billy Graham could with all his rallies and campaigns combined. Today, we have the opportunity to reach more people with a click of a button than Billy Graham could with all of his rallies and campaigns combined. And I hope that strikes you hard. Tom Rayner, who is part of Lifeway Research, a pastor, he says this, okay, there's this quote that you will see on the screen right now. He says, being on social media, and most of us have this, so listen up. Being on social media, but not learning how to use digital platforms effectively it's like choosing to be a missionary in a new country, but refusing to learn the language of the people. Most of us have Facebook, most of us have Instagram. Look at it as your mission field. Look at it as your mission field. Social media is not just meant to, it's not meant to just promote ministry. This is something I tell anyone that I do workshop, ministry workshops, you know, about social media. I said, social media is not meant to promote ministry. It is not just meant to tell you, hey, service is this time. Hey, Christmas service is celebration is this time. Hey, there is uh, something happening in church at this time. The youth service is happening this time. There's this special ladies thing happening at this time. It is not meant to promote ministry. Social media is there to do ministry. 
How are you making disciples through social media? How are you how are you teaching them to obey God's word through social media? How are you encouraging them to baptize others and even being baptized through social media? Social media is a huge mission field. Most of us have never been in a room as many as our social media friends or followers. So that is something we need to take note of. I added something God convicted me about to talk about today. I added something that I think I really need to speak about because it really resonates with me as a, as a youth advisor, as a, as, a, as a youth staff ministry worker. Your home is your mission field. During this lockdown, I hope that parents have taken the opportunity, if you are a parent, take the opportunity to speak to your children about God, to share the gospel with them, especially if they are below the ages of 12, 13, 14. This is the time. God is going to let all of us answer for the members of our own household. Sadly, I've heard more parents sit, tell their children, it's okay if you don't want to get baptized, you know, as long as you know when you're ready. I've heard more parents say that than parents telling their children or encouraging their children, hey, how can I help you in your devotion? Hey, do you need a devotion material? Hey, how can I, you know, how can, how can Kojo or Koleon or how can, uh, you know, a, a youth advisor or someone in church, a pastor, help you in your spiritual life? How can I help you in your spiritual life? Hey, let's talk about Jesus. More parents have told their children, not just in our church, but also in, in my ministry with Scripture Union, sadly, most coming from, of course, Christian families, they tell their children, hey, don't, don't worry if you don't want to get baptized. You know, they dilute what a parent who is a Christian is supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not a parent. But I can tell you I've been a result of parents who have, who have been a big part of our spiritual life. And Rebecca can testify to that. So parents, how many times have we checked in with our kids if they have done their homework for school versus how many times we've let them slip through our service? You know what that teaches them? That teaches them that daddy and mommy cares more about my schoolwork and my education than my service to God, than my relationship with God. I hope that convicts us. Because as a youth ministry worker, that really convicts me. There are many youth today that come from Christian families that are dying without Jesus. How many times have we forced our children to wake up for school, even in this pandemic, to open school on Zoom, but yet we allow them to sleep through 10 a.m. on a Sunday? We teach them that that part of life is not important. Have we invested more time and effort sharing with our children about what gives us a monthly income than what brings us an eternal outcome? Let me repeat that. Have we invested more time in sharing with our children about what gives us a monthly income, our work, our careers, than what brings us an eternal outcome. Parents, grandparents, leaders, ask, 
Will our children come out better, a better servant for Jesus during this pandemic, after this pandemic? Will we have had the opportunity to reach and disciple even our domestic helpers at home or our spouses, our siblings? Have we had the opportunity to reach and disciple these people? Because ultimately, we are responsible for the mission field we are placed in. You choose to be in social media or God has placed you there, God has placed you in a home, you will be held accountable for it. You will be answerable for it. Two Fridays ago, we had a youth share in our, in our High Point youth. He accepted Christ during the last 18 months. And he shared that, I feel like I came to Christianity late in life. He's a 19-year-old boy, and he is saying that he, came to, he feels like he came to Christianity late in life. I don't know about you, that really hit home for me. He's so urgent about telling people about the gospel that he feels like even at 19 years old, he came to know Jesus late in life. And here we are waiting to come back to church, then only our faith is reignited, then our faith is okay again. Then only we can serve in the hospitality team, then only we can do something about our service or our faith. So the church is moving, God is working. Are we a part of that? We will be held responsible for the mission field we are a part of. So in closing, I want to say this. What we see and what we are up against seems monumental and I don't want to diminish the fact that it is difficult. You know, there was persecution in the book of Acts. There was people who went through hardship. As I said, Paul was in jail. Paul went through shipwrecks. There was hardship. Things are difficult. It seems monumental. But Jesus declared, Matthew 16 verse 18, Jesus declared that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We just have to open our eyes to see what God is doing and follow. Simple. Follow. What the fishermen did when Jesus called them to be disciples, they left their nets and they followed. What we should not be doing is asking God to follow us. God, I need to take care of my career now. God, I need to take care of my studies now. God, please take pity on me. You know, the pandemic is so difficult. God, you know, please be lenient on me. La. Please understand. La. You know, this MCO is like that. Hey, God says, if you want to do that, go ahead. My work still continues. Whether you want to experience my glory or not, choice is yours. So I want to close with this. I don't think God is asking us to rewind. Remember Tom Rayner, I mentioned his name just now from Life Way Research. Yesterday I was listening to a podcast of his and he said something very interesting. He said, I think the church should stop using the phrase new normal because normal seems to think that we are going to go, still go back to something. What is normal? New normal. The fact of the matter is, Tom Rayner says, we should expect a new reality. The way life will be will be totally different. So if you're expecting to rewind to something, expect the unexpected because life is not going to rewind to what you think or what you hoped it was in the past. Instead of rewinding, let us start to refocus on our assignment and our priorities. Instead of rewinding, let us refocus. Let us recalibrate to what the Church of X was.
I was meditating on, on the poem books in the Bible and I came across this, uh, this passage that I thought was so mind-blowing during our time that you know, I, I use it now a lot in, in speaking to youth even. When they think, ah, I'm wait, just waiting for the pandemic to be over. I want to read this to you. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 to 6. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Verse 4 again. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they, never, if they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. Are you waiting for the perfect weather? Are you waiting for the church doors to be open before you can serve in the hospitality team or you can serve in the, in the worship team? And even post-pandemic, are you going to wait for your exams to be over before you start serving? Are you going to wait for... Uh, your business to take off before you say, okay, God, now that everything is settled, I can start serving. This is not just a message for this time of pandemic. This is a message to prepare for a post-pandemic world. Are you waiting for the perfect weather? Because if you're waiting for the perfect weather, you won't plant and there won't be harvest. So start today. So, in ending, I don't have any take-homes, but I have three questions that maybe you want to answer personally or maybe sit down with, you know, someone who is close to you, a spouse, a close friend, to share some of these things on your heart. Three questions and we will end. The first question is, what shifts do I need to make in my life to be more focused on my assignment? What shifts do I need to make in my life to be more focused on my assignment? Number two, how can I better utilize the other 166 hours of the week to be the church? We are in church for approximately two weeks on a Sunday service. But the church, as I said, is not meant to be for two hours or just a program on a Sunday. How can I better utilize the other 166 hours of the week to be the church? And finally, how can I bear fruit this week with the platforms God has blessed me with on social media, at home, even when you interact with your colleagues. Now, there might be dine-in. We are slowly loosening SOPs. As I said, this is not just meant for a church in pandemic era. This is meant for a church preparing for a post-pandemic era. So don't be passive, be productive. And more than being productive, be purposeful. Know your assignment and let us refocus so that we can be a church based on the New Testament apostolic model, driven by God's love to bring good news and discipling nations through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit.